Hey, it's Robert. It is somehow, improbably, but most certainly December already, and that means we have just two shows left in 2016. One is in San Diego and one is in Denver. Our San Diego show is on the 13th at Tiger Tiger Tavern, and our Denver show is on the 21st at Bumpport Theater, as always. The theme for both shows is Parents Just Don't Understand. We will see you there. Next Storyteller. Our next Storyteller. Next Storyteller. Our next Storyteller. Welcome to the Narrator's Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrator's, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. We talk a lot about the role of empathy in the show's success. The Narrators is, at its core, a community-building enterprise, and one that is built on the premise of people wanting to connect to each other. The simple act of sharing stories allows that. It builds empathy, and it erases the cultural practice of abstracting people. And make no mistake, we do live in a culture that abstracts people into binaries that behave predictably according to that which we ascribe to them. Our culture works hard to strip people of their basic humanity because fuck, man, Holding a nuanced view of people is really difficult. At our most aspirational, the show works to illuminate the humanity in all of us. And so that is what we will continue to do. We plan on doubling down in the coming months, planning events with and sending our support to other organizations who work tirelessly to assert and elevate the humanity and dignity of people who are far too often kept at the margins by the ruling classes. And in this work, we hope to affirm and reaffirm that while we are fully committed to finding common ground for all of us, we are also fully committed to confronting racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, white supremacy, and ableism. In other words, there will be no high fives for bullshit. We look forward to sharing with you in the coming year, and we have some exciting things coming down the pike, including our themes for the 2017 shows in both San Diego and Denver. Stay tuned here and on our Facebook page for more as it develops. And now I think I'll shut up and share with you this week's story, which comes to us from Brooke Pilafont. The bio she sent us was so good that I'm just going to steal her words as an introduction. After a miserable yet hilarious cross-country car trip, Brooke was propelled out of the world of teaching mathematics into the world of storytelling. She has performed with Speakeasy DC, Mortified, Risk, Austin Writer Roulette, Dallas's Oral Fixation, and at several backyard story nights. Currently, Brooke is found in a nonprofit, Down South World of Mouth, dedicated to merging her love of social justice with storytelling to provide a voice for those who often go unheard in our communities. And when she isn't on stage, she occupies her time with four kids, shooting pool, roadside adventures, and welding. The story was recorded live at Tiger Tiger Tavern on October 11th, 2016, and the theme of the evening was tricks. Enjoy. Is that, is that good for you? Yeah, awesome. All right. Oh, let's see. Okay, here we go. I'm kind of loud, too, so I'll try not to scream into the microphone. All right. <laughs> So it had been a tumultuous year for me. My grandmother had died. Um, I had finished and graduated with a master's in sociology after my parents had spent four years asking me what I was going to do with that job. And I decided to pack up everything I had and move with my boyfriend to New Orleans. I'd really, really hoped to find an academic position, but after a long time, it clearly wasn't happening. 
So I took solace in the two things that I love most. I found myself a coffee shop and I was playing cards. All right. One of the people I started playing cards with was slightly taller than me. He had always had a fresh shaved head and a very defined physique. And he was amazing. And what made him so amazing is that he was the only person that I could play against that would beat Jimmy. And Jimmy had just gotten out of prison. And he always signaled to his partner with his hand, each of the fingers being a different suit. So if you knew the code, you could figure out what he was holding. Well, Newton, my partner, and I had broken the code. And so we could always beat Jimmy, but we never told him how we could beat him. So it was always fun. One evening, Newton and I actually decided to take in a movie. And as we headed to our seats, my phone rang. And I answered it, and it was my mom. And she told me some tragic news that my aunt had just committed suicide. Um, I robotically turned and walked out of the theater, um, sobbing. Tears were coming down my eyes. And all I felt was Newton's hand on my back. And I sat down outside on the stairs and he shared something as equally tragic with me. Um, he shared with me that his family uh, were members of a racist group in Oklahoma and it was a militia group and they had moved out to this compound and his parents and his uncle all um, died in a suicide pact out there. And he looked at me and he said, everyone important to me in my life was gone in an instant. And at that point, both of us crying, we became inseparable. Um, Newton actually helped me find a job. I didn't find one in academia, but I did find one because I knew how to weld. And so I joined a construction crew that he worked on and it was awesome. It was great. I loved it. It was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Um, and it paid cash at the end of the day, and who can complain with that? So, uh, during breaks, we entertained ourselves by making up games. Uh, one of the games we played was to see how many suits you could make turn around at lunchtime. So you'd have to say something, and if you got people to look at you, you earned a point. And so I would say things like, hey, I didn't know that I could put seven quarters in my nostril. Right? And then Newton would say something like, you know, even though I was drunk, I didn't expect to wake up naked next to my sister. And I was always like, damn, you, you win again. <laughs> so my favorite game that we played was called the Armored Car Heist. And what we would do is there was a bank across the street. And every day we would go out there and we'd watch this armored car come by. And we made up this game. Because one of my favorite things in life are perfectly planned crimes. They're beautiful. When, when executed well, they're, they're amazing. So we decided to plan the perfect heist of this armored car. And I would say things like, okay, you know, I think we could just, you know, walk up to the side of the car when they're not in it and we'll just jump in. And he's like, okay, that's stupid. You can't just jump into the car. What about the keys? And what about their partner that's standing there? And I would be like, okay, I got it. We'll use chloroform. It'll totally knock him out. And he's like, okay, and then what? We're going to do just dump him while we're driving down the road? Like if he dies, the charges get up to murder. And I was like, Okay, I get that, but maybe like when he wakes up, we'll appeal to his, you know, sense of loyalty to his family, and he'll be super thrilled that we're dropping him off at home or something, and he's like, okay, no, and he just would laugh, and so 
About six months after we met, Newton and his girlfriend broke up and he hadn't saved any money. And so I was like, hey, come live with my boyfriend and I. We have a spare room. It'll work perfect. And he did. He came to live with us. And he was the perfect roommate. The most amazing. He was never loud. He always, you know, cleaned up after himself. He offered to pay for extra pizza that was in the refrigerator that no one had eaten for seven days. Uh, Yeah. So one day, um, our neighbor's house in New Orleans got robbed. That happens a lot there, unfortunately. And I freaked out because I had inherited all my grandmother's diamonds. And I didn't know what to do with them. And I thought, I better hide these diamonds somewhere that no one will find them. And I was brilliant. I came up with a brilliant plan. I was going to hide them in a Pringles chip can. And then I was going to put it on the top shelf where no one could find it. So Newton walks in as I'm hiding my diamonds in this chip can, and he starts laughing at me. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm being really smart. I'm putting them in the can. I'm going to put them way up there. And he was like, okay, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. First of all, no one puts their Pringles on the top shelf unless there's something good in the can. And I was like, okay, I can see where you're going with this. So he grabbed the diamonds from me, and he starts walking down the hallway to the bathroom. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he reaches under the sink, and he pulls out a tampon box. And he's like, I'm going to put them in here. This is the last place any guy is going to look for your jewels, right? And I was like, in that instant, I knew Newton was the smartest person that I had ever met. So for the holidays, we invited Newton to come with us, to fly with us to Utah for Christmas, but he made up a really sorry excuse and decided that he would stay with the dogs and take care of them. Um, I begged him, but he refused. So a year goes by and we rock along in this blissful state of happiness. Everybody's getting along wonderful and everything's great until one night I come home from work and a mutual friend phoned. And I pick up the phone and he says, have you seen today's paper? And I'm like, no, I, don't, I haven't picked up the newspaper today. And he's like, go get one. And I'm like, I'm not walking down the store to get one. He said to me on the phone, go get a paper and call me back. And he hung up. And I was like, okay, that's really weird. I'll, I guess I'll do it. So I walk all the way down to the store in the dark and I get the paper. And I obviously can't read it because it's dark on my way home. So I get back to the house and I start flipping through the papers. And I'm looking, and all of a sudden, I'm, I have this moment where I see Newton's picture in the paper. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's my best friend in the paper. And then I realize that at the top of the page, it says, wanted by the FBI. And I'm like, what the hell? And my whole world kind of tilts. And I keep reading. He's wanted for bank robbery. And at that moment, I thought that I might slip off of the earth. I was in a total state of shock, and I called my friend back, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And he says, is anything of his at your place? And I looked around, and I realized that nothing of his was in the house anymore. Everything had gone. It was like he literally vanished, like he disappeared in an instant, And at that moment, I felt like I had lost my best friend in an instant. And I realized that I'd been holding my breath the entire time I had been running around the house looking to see if there was anything of his left there. And my arms were shaking and my legs were shaking and I felt like they were about to give way and I sank to the floor in tears. And then everything clicked into place in this one like mad rushing moment. I was like, 
he couldn't get an apartment because he couldn't have a background check. He couldn't fly to Utah with us for Christmas because he couldn't get an ID. He worked a job for cash because he couldn't open a bank account and he couldn't open a bank account because he robbed a bank. <laughs> so the FBI showed up on my doorstep and during the interview I learned his name was a lie, his age was a lie, his life was a lie, his deceased family was a lie. Pretty much everything he said about where he came from was a lie. And I wondered, was our entire friendship a lie too? And then I remembered the diamonds. And I ran to the bathroom as fast as I could. And I ripped that tampon box from underneath the sink. And I shoved my hand inside of it. And all of my diamonds were there. Every single one of them. And I realized I hadn't lost my diamonds. And I hadn't lost a friendship. In fact, Newton might not have chosen to share the facts of his life with me, but he did share the qualities of his friendship with me. And that to me meant that our friendship was real. So for a long time, I thought Newton would get back in touch with me. And I was really excited about that. I thought there would be this amazing clandestine meeting that he would divulge the details of all of his larceny to me. And it never happened. Often I'd look around and I would see someone in a crowded room and I would think it was him and I would walk up behind them as fast as I could and I would look at their arm because along his left arm ran a tattoo that said revolution, but the tattoo was never there and it was never him. I did read later on the internet that he was apprehended and he did go to jail and for a while I contemplated getting in touch with him and writing him a letter and I would sit down and I would start to write it but I never sent it. I never sent it to him. I just felt like there didn't seem to be this need to reconnect with him, that maybe our friendship was full and it was, fin and it was finished, and that maybe not every friendship needs to last a lifetime. Just knowing that it was perfect was enough. Thanks. Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. Our intern is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. Very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Lego Pete's, Greater Than Records, Sexy Pizza, Sexbot Comedy, From the Hip Photo, and Breckenridge Brewery. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. And for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.